Oh, God. Hey and welcome back, dear listeners. Once again, it's the Flick Lab podcast, and tonight we are joined by our two previous guests who are making a welcome to return. There is our journalist, all-round film enthusiast, Alison. Nice to have you here with us. Hi. Yeah, good to be back. And also in returning is our our former co-host Zach. Nice to have you two here also in at the studio, man. <laughs> it is so glad to be home, gentlemen. There's no place Don't like home. lie to us, man. Liar <laughs> <laughs> and his lies have has been exposed. <laughs> But yeah, boy, what's in tonight's menu? Oh my god, if it's not Halloween ends. It's finally here. The final chapter in, in a trilogy that in no way was conceived when the first film was already in production back in 2018. It's the franchise that has ended and come back like five times already, but now it ends, apparently. Join us tonight as we follow the adventures of two emotionally really healthy incels who who were able to find a handcraft job in today's economy. So guys, what did you all think about Halloween ends? Oh god. I think the boogeyman is at large. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm like I'm I'm all all for putting in in pets in pets tonight and I'm already betting five euros that Kari absolutely hated this movie. Ah uh, well, not I'm not so I'm not so much into that direction here. It's kind of all over the place, my opinion, like the movie. But uh, uh, let's get to it. Yeah. So well, I, I can I can start not yet with official opinions, but but to get the get the ball rolling, I'm I'm gonna start with a small point. Like I remember back in Halloween Kills. I made the statement that I did not believe that this trilogy, the new Halloween trilogy, was originally visioned to be a trilogy. And I got some flack from you, from you guys, especially from you, Zach and Gary. Thanks for that, a whole bunch. But <laughs> like now that we have seen, now that we have seen the glorious ending to this trilogy, I must confess. I I look back at my previous statement, and okay, you know. I, I confess when I'm wrong, so here goes. <laughs> I'm absolutely adamant that this one was not perce- conceived to be a trilogy when it was o- already back in 2018. This is once again, this has all the hallmarks of a trilogy that was turned into a trilogy after like the first film was already in in production or pre-production. This is those late boomer trilogies. This is like the subtext return of Buster Rhymes into the franchise via DGG, <laughs> David Gordon Green, playing playing the audience in the last installment, being like, Trick or treat, motherfucker! <laughs> Never thought I'd be so glad to hear Buster. Well, yeah, this, this kind of <laughs> is. This kind of is. The, the, again, you know, the, the whole trilogy has been that way in, in one way or the other, like, This is the case where you have 
uh, thrilled you of three movies, and no movie actually is like the previous one. Mm-hmm. This is perhaps one of the most inconsistent film trilogies that I've seen for quite some time. <laughs> yeah. This gives Matrix trilogy a run for its money. Yeah. I feel bad that I was so hard on Halloween Kills <laughs> after seeing this. Really? Because, I mean, yeah, because at least Halloween Kills had some cool set pieces where, I mean, Halloween's supposed to be a slasher franchise right so i was shocked at how boring this was and as was already alluded to so disjointed but i don't know at least in halloween kills we had like a cool murder house you know um whereas this i'm like what's the big culmination fight like i guess Lori gets interrupted writing her memoir and like fakes a suicide (laughs) and like I don't know. I I have so many thoughts about this, but I was just really struck by how disjointed it was and how if you're going to end ostensibly, right, because we know there's going to be more Halloween (laughs) movies in the future, but like this is supposed to be the end, right? Shouldn't the primary focus be on this relationship between Laurie and Michael? Because that's the backbone of the entire franchise. Most of this film is not spent with Lori. <laughs> yeah, this is su- such a mess, really. I, w- I wouldn't have thought that after 13 movies, the final to all of this, the big finale is not about Michael Myers, it's about some rando called Corey. Who gives a shit? Like, who is this guy? Like, I'll I'll say this: the opening scene where he's the babysitter and he oh yeah, we got we got to get into that opening scene. Lord, like that genuinely surprised me. I was like, okay, this is cool. This is like, who is this guy? Like, and then we follow him, and I'm like, I don't give a shit about this guy. Why? Why are you expecting me to invest all of my emotions into a brand new character? in the last hour of this franchise. It was very, very confusing. It felt like they were trying to elevate material that doesn't really need to be elevated. You know, like you're not an A24 flick, you know, like this is a slasher franchise. And I'm not saying they can't tackle like bigger themes and stuff, but it felt like they were so determined to get into the psychology of Mike Myers that it's like, I don't think it was necessary. I think it just made it very long and boring. Uh, I think this is probably just a natural byproduct of the A24-ification of horror films. Mm. Uh, Yes, I just made that word up. Um, (laughs) I think that because nowadays you can't just have a horror film or a villain who's just a villain for villain's sake. You've got to have some backstory. I I don't know if this is the... (sighs) If it's the maturation of the slasher genre, or if it's just this is just the era we're in now, where nowadays you got to have villains who are complex and have backstories, but it, it definitely is that. It, I mean, gone are the days of 1978 where you could just say, "Oh no, like it's just some person who's crazy." Like we got to have a reason now, and I think well, that the- I feel like. Yeah, I feel like it has to be, it has to have a supernatural element because we still have films like It Follows, right? Where like a nameless, faceless monster or like Smile that just came out. Like we don't know what 
this thing is. But if the thing is a person, yeah, their backstory has to be complicated. It's all about trauma. You know, like mm. we have a flashback with their mother who's abusive, certainly, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think we could still have a monster who we don't understand its motives, but it, it can't be a person. The second it's a person, even if it's like Michael Myers, we have to get into like why he is this way. Yeah, even if it's a faceless person behind a mask, we still it's we still recognize it's a person, and therefore we need a story. Right. Yeah, and I will I will say this too: that opening shocked the shit out of me. It's well done. I could not believe where it was going. It's so well done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like yep. they brought him in and they questioned him, and then I think it was clear it was an accident. But he was still ostracized by this weird community, nonetheless. Yeah, and I think that that's. It, they did a good job, I think, of tying together the fact that now that Michael Myers is gone, we needed to have some sort of scapegoat for our rage. Right. And I did like how they sort of made that connection of, well, we got to hate someone, so let's hate this kid. So my mind is still so all over the place about the film, and I'm, I'm trying to compartmentalize all my thoughts here. But at the end of the day, well, at least it's something different, as said here. And it's really about the consequences of horror on the collective psyche of the town. Kind of what I was saying in the Halloween Kills episode when I guessed that the film is going to the David Edison Halloween 4 script, the abandoned script, in, in some level. And kind of surprisingly, I guess I was kind of right about that. At least there's not any ghosts, uh, ghost Michaels or any of that. It seems to be uh, flesh and blood story. I guess that even depends it, on how you take the movie. It, it kind of dances around around yeah. that concept. Like, I, I noticed this one too. Mm. I, I did notice that there's some some of the spiritual similarities between this one and, and the unproduced Halloween 4 script, where it, it's not the same situation. In If I remember correctly, in the, the Halloween 4 script case, it was the situation where uh, hadn't we feel had banned the celebration of Halloween? Yeah, right. as as some type of a like like, a, like an act to force themselves to get over Michael and to to kind of be rid of with with Michael Myers and his past. And in in this movie, that's not what the Haddonfield has done. They haven't really like banned Halloween, but instead they have taken the, the opposite approach where they almost forcibly try to celebrate Halloween. This is like, especially with, with Laurie's character who, like following the the past films, now makes this, try, makes this try-hard attempt of having all the Halloween shit. I'm gonna move to nice house, I'm gonna decorate it for Halloween, I'm gonna make some absolutely disgusting pumpkin pie or or something like that. I'm going to have the Halloween things. And another thing that this kind of shares in its in its spiritual DNA with the with the script is the concept of Michael Myers possibly being some type of a spiritual entity or force that just looms right in the background. But yeah. does not take presence in the town. The film negates this at the at the last minute. Like you mm. have the final showdown, which brings Michael back to flesh, and 
In keeping with the 2018 film takes the stance that Michael Myers is nothing supernatural, he's just an old asshole in a mask. <laughs> but up until that point, you gotta have this Michael as, as a, some type of a, well, almost godlike entity. I, I genuinely believe that most of the movie I, I thought that the Michael Myers is not in this movie and that it's all in Corey's mm. head or Laurie's head or their heads collectively somehow some kind of a trauma that they can shake. Yeah, I was surprised. I talked to a couple people who they were texting me as they were watching it and they were like, is Michael Myers actually there or are they imagining him? And like, maybe just because I've bought into the mythology so much, it was very clear to me that he was actually there. <laughs> and mm. this like, they weren't hallucinating collectively. But I think that could have been a more interesting approach. And maybe people would have gotten frustrated, like, you know, when a film is like, oh, the whole thing was a dream, you know. But I kind of think it would have been more interesting that way if we, we leaned into Michael Myers as a... Yeah, a force of evil, and he can, like, uh, uh, much like Freddy Krueger, like, invade your brain. Like, I think that would have been more interesting than, I don't know, he has, like, a protege in this dork who we don't care about. <laughs> I think that maybe they tried to do this idea of Michael Myers is really just a substitute for PTSD, for trauma, Mm. that kind of mm. thing but they but you can't do that all the way because you're right like we, we we came to see a slasher flick we didn't come to see a psychological thriller that's not what we, we signed up for and so i think they have to make it a real person but i think this one at least teeters the line closer than any of the previous films of michael myers really just could be a stand-in for your trauma that you have not dealt with and maybe you think oh no i i killed it i i dealt with my issue and you just sort of put it on the shelf but no it's still sitting there on the shelf and maybe it takes years for it to resurface but it's still there what i thought they were doing was i thought it was like a passing of the torch like when Corey started to wear the mask mm. i was like oh my God, are we going to see like, this is how you make a, and, and that ultimately is what they were doing. Like, this is how you make a Michael Myers. But I thought like the spirit had like passed into him. And I was like, oh, this is why this guy cannot be killed because he's just taking new bodies. Um, but then, yeah, it ultimately was sort of a crap out. And I know like, you know, by the time something like this goes to production, like a million people have, have touched it and changed it. And I am just curious, like what the original intention was. And if this was like a bunch of studio notes, like Michael Myers absolutely has to be real. He cannot be a figment of their imagination. People will be pissed if you do this. Well, I Yeah, I think that the, the, the passing of the spirit from Michael to Corey, to me, I think is another another piece of that this is really about trauma and that you can think that you know because he himself ex went through an uh, uh, cory i mean went through this horrible experience and then because as we're sort of like learning through these films you know monsters are monsters are not born they're made that yeah this is how you make a michael myers and that will never end. And the in the way that through the last however many Halloweens there have been, nine, ten, something. Thirteen. Um 
Oh, 13. Oh, Jesus. Um, in the way that, like, through 13 films, we keep saying Michael cannot be killed. Yeah, because evil can't be killed. Trauma can't be can't be killed. It's always going to get passed on. And I think even things like generational trauma, which I think we as a sort of a culture are now talking more and more about. Um, I think this is a great example of generational trauma. And it just continues one generation to another because it's never fully dealt with or maybe you try to deal with it but it's so big it's insurmountable i i have to agree to an extent with dave mccray like uh he's a pretty prominent youtube guy a voiceover dude who speaks a lot about halloween and really knows his halloween shit he, he says that the whole Corey story could be a great anthology piece right, in and right. of itself if it would be just about Corey, then concentrate mm-hmm. and centralize on that. But now that we have the, the killing off of Michael, the end battle at the end, it, it, it seems really kind of forced and pasted in. And I think they could have changed that in a way to, to tie somehow the Corey story more strongly with the Michael story. But I tried so hard on these two watches to, to find out what would be the kind of cohesive element tying these stories together, what would justify that Michael is at the end there. And it just feels like, ah, what the hell are you doing here, Michael? Get lost. Well, Yeah, I hate to be this person because I know this is like annoying when people do this, but I don't know what the rules of this universe are. So like... And I understand it's been so many years and so many different filmmakers and like it's hard to be consistent with this stuff. But like, is Mike Myers an evil spirit who cannot be killed or is he a dude? Because like if he's an evil spirit, I don't understand how Laurie is like handing his ass to him in these fight scenes. You know, like that's very confusing. Um or is Laurie a supernatural creature? Like, what are the deal? What's the deal? And like when he looks at Corey, what is Michael Myers seeing that like, does he connect with him? Like they're soulmates, like a kindred spirit, like you have the same darkness inside. Like we never get an explanation of what is happening. And, you know, in addition to me not caring about Corey, it was just hard to get invested in this world. Cause I'm like, I don't really understand what the rules are. Is it the lack of his, I, I don't think he's really convincing me all the way. No, I like I hate to criticize actors because I I think if you if the script's good enough and you have a good enough director, you can get an okay performance out of anyone. Mm. Um, I think he's just not well written and he doesn't really fit in this film or in this phase of Halloween. It's just confusing. It's frustrating because he's steering us away from, I think, what the heart of this story is, which is Laurie. Rohan Campbell, uh, I listened to one of his interviews with Andy Matichuk and he said that what's special about this movie and what I fully wanted and intended to do is to create a movie that everyone can take their choice out of it and everyone can have their own narrative of what happens and what's appropriate or I don't know what's understandable I think. How do you take that? Sounds like he's like yeah everyone just come to your own conclusions there which I think is poor filmmaking. Uh, in this case, at least, I would say so, yeah. I will say, how I wonder how long it took all of you to figure out, oh, they're just going to make another Michael Myers here. I'm going to I'm gonna pat myself on the back and say I figured it out very quickly. <laughs> Whenever, <laughs> yeah. after, a, after the initial, the, the opening scene, which is great, and then when you then start seeing him and he's like, you know, down in the dumps, he's going to work at his dad's, like, chop shop. And I was like, oh, 
he's going to be wearing a blue like jumper, you know, like a you know like the one piece thing that Michael Myers was. Wearing. Oh right. I, 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 I was like, oh, I'm putting this shit together. I'm putting this shit together. So, <laughs> that's interesting. Like that. Okay. Now I understand. Writers do this really annoying thing. That's shorthand for showing someone is a quote unquote failure where they make them a mechanic. And I'm like, how is mm. he a loser? Cause he can fix cars. <laughs> like, like, it just, do you know it, what happened to our society? If we didn't have mechanics, that's the thing it's a very like elitist thing like i don't know it's just an annoying thing that i notice in a lot of scripts like that's not shorthand for being a failure he just has a practical skill that you probably don't have um Mm -hmm. yeah i i probably knew when he got his ass handed to him by the marching band that was interesting i in this universe the marching band are jocks i guess and or maybe that was a joke maybe that was supposed to be a joke like he's so low on the totem pole that even the marching band beats him up but that was uh, um a choice wow that that was that was a choice <laughs> yeah i mm. think yeah when the guy playing tuba is gonna beat your ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not great well uh, zach i think um i was too preoccupied here like just figuring out all the other stuff what's going on with this movie michael myers hasn't really appeared at the 80 percent part of this movie and well this and this film and the michael myers execution i don't know if anyone wants to talk about that anymore because i think everyone has kind of lost hope all hope that the execution would be like it should be at least in my books like this has all the hallmark reading failures of a david gordon green halloween film in the michael myers character reading sense like where to start he can't hold a fight with a random guy he just loses (laughs) his mask in a john carpenter movie that's kind of insulting towards michael's character or showing what he's doing when he's kind of off duty now he's in a sewer I don't know if we need to see that or I guess he has weakened a bit after the Halloween kills events. I really like when we see Michael Myers like driving a car. I, I just like when he kind of like <laughs> does random normal things where it's like, oh yeah, like how does he get around? Like is he just stalking through the forest? And like whenever a mode of transportation is involved, I'm like, that's funny. Like picturing him like sitting on a ferry or something. I remember the very the original, the 1978 one, and I remember, yeah, there's these great sort of tracking shots from inside a vehicle, like following people <laughs> as they walk on the sidewalk. And to me, that's that's what makes it so creepy and stalkery, and that whole mm. like he's always watching you. Like, but to me, the the 78 and these films are just they're they're on two different planets. Yeah, um, yeah. And the other thing I wanted to say as well is, speaking of sort of poor writing can we just stop with the macho bullshit and that and the whole like how do we show like a guy is like not a good person let's just turn him into the most like creepoid like skeevy guy possible like the guy who pulls the who pulls allison over the cop oh yeah oh my god it's just so like Mm. can we not come up with anything else there's no other that was another moment 
Yeah, like where I'm like, again, I know you want to elevate this. I don't think you should. I think that was a mistake. But like the Me Too-ness of this movie, I was like, what the fuck is this? It's like so tacked on. It's never dealt Mm. with. It's just another example of like, why does anyone live in this community? First of all, it seems like there's like five people in the entire town. And like all of them hate Lori. Um, uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Alison. I, I, no, no, go ahead. Uh, you're definitely on to something there. W- would you say that the social commentary is a little too tacked on as well? That is too much on the surface? That is not really on the subtext? That is more like screaming on your face? A trauma, 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 trauma. Maybe something that Jamie Lee Curtis really wanted to emphasize, but somehow... Yeah, and I don't want to blame her, but this feels like very much her, where like, you know, she's a liberal feminist and like she has a progressive message. And I like hearing her talk about the franchise. Like I know she wanted to move things in that direction. I'm not necessarily saying like they couldn't have tackled these things, but it's just trying to be such a different thing at this point. And it's really clumsily done that... I don't know, whatever she was hoping to get out of this, I, I don't think they stuck the landing. What about, like, uh, could we take try to take uh, some emotional distance to this movie and not think about it as, uh, like, the third part of this DGG trilogy where you're supposed to have this epic showdown all through the movie? Or, or that's probably what people's expectations were. If you remove that... And just think of it as some kind of a fucked up anthology piece. Do you think uh, people will love this movie a whole lot later? I don't know. Do you think anybody's going to love Corey? (laughs) (laughs) It really, really really depends on how much you're invested in Corey because he's so much of this film. Like, we got the whole Badlands storyline with, like, Laurie's daughter, Allison, and, like... Do you care about this character? And if the answer is yes, then maybe, yeah, like in in 10 years when we look back at this and there's been like, you know, five more Halloween movies, it'll seem charming. (laughs) But like, I, I, I don't think it even stands as an anthology film. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that he, I, I mean, I like, you're right, I wish that he was a little better written. But I do think that his, I think he gave a, a, a great performance as this, oh my gosh, this kid who's just like so far down on the on, in the dumps and who is so like thirsty for breaking out of this hole that he's in. Uh, and I think that it serves, I, I think that, I think that that was great and I wish that it, we could have preserved that. But then when you bring the whole, this is the part that I really didn't get, Allison sort of meeting him and having a little attraction and like wanting to like get to know him. And then Allison goes from someone who survived Michael Myers in the first one (laughs) and in the second one. And then in the third one, she so quickly is like, burn it all, burn it down. Real. That was wow. Wow. I got a little dizzy turning my head that fast. What about Lori playing matchmaker between two deeply traumatized people? Like, what in her head? Like, I know we're supposed to think Lori recognizes Corey as, like, this kindred spirit because they've both, you know, they're both outcasts. This community hates both of them. So she, like, gets his pain. But why would you then send that in the direction of your daughter? Like, are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah, that's bad matchmaking. 
That's bad momming. <laughs> bad momming. Bad grandmomming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, bad grandmomming. But yeah, like Lori, use your head. Like you know what a fucked up dude can do to a woman's life, and you're gonna make your granddaughter go through that like just because she's traumatized doesn't mean she needs more trauma in her life like if anything she needs like a boring accountant type who can offer stability (laughs) you know a travel agent a cpa (laughs) (laughs) exactly i I don't know if there was any matchmaking really needed from jamie lee's part Gloria's part because Gosh darn it, Andy Madichuk is horny in this movie, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> oh, but, but seriously, that's the that's a huge part of the movie because she's so kind of forcefully trying to, desperately trying to make this relationship go and work. And even, even to the extent that she goes against her own grandmother with arguments that don't make any goddamn sense. So I think she just wanted to get laid really badly. I didn't really buy the whole pivot from, okay, so Corey's a, like, nerdy dork in the beginning. And then I think at some point we're supposed to think he's sexy around the time he gets a motorcycle. Um, and Allison, I didn't... don't you know motorcycle <laughs> equals sexy? Come on, Allison. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just really didn't vibe with this actor. You know, again, I don't like to talk shit about actors, but I didn't really go with them on that journey when I was supposed to suddenly find him hot. I was just confused about what the fuck Allison was doing. I'm like, <laughs> get away from him and get out of this community. Could I ask uh, everyone, what are your thoughts on Laurie's character changing kind of drastically from the previous movie that now she's not so <laughs> paranoid about where she's living in a bunker or super sheltered building? She's just in a regular building. Does that make sense to you? Okay. I know that was a big change and like she got her hair did and like she's looking great. She's got like her her cute little outfits together now. But I liked seeing I mean, she's still traumatized, but I like seeing Lori like thriving in her own way. And I like that she's got like she still wants to date and like she goes to the grocery store and she's working on her memoir. Like I didn't necessarily I hate that because I could not stand another movie of like wild haired Jamie Lee Curtis like screaming at everybody. Like I it was nice that Lori had at least a few moments of something good happening to her. I agree. I think that it was nice to see like this is a person who has experienced an immense amount of trauma and yet with getting sober and getting some therapy maybe some medication as well we don't know that like there is life beyond your trauma and i think that it was i imagine that was probably something that was important to jamie lee curtis i would imagine Mm -hmm. you know having this this to show like there is light at the end of that tunnel you can get through it right yeah there's there's a lot of there's a lot of goddamn talking in this movie, all kinds of metaphors and references that somebody's this and that, even references that, Laurie, you are the Michael Myers here. I think these are supposed to kind of confuse the viewer that what are you suggesting movie here? And maybe it's trying to leave some weird doors, doors open for the future. But I think none of it really leads anywhere. It's just, uh, you can't really pull anything together from that. This is the first Mm. time I've considered that in a future movie, they might have Michael Myers' spirit 
invade Lori. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, because that seems like uh, that might happen. Hmm. Hmm. Whoa. Uh, uh, can we talk? Can we talk about the ending? Okay. Yeah, they killed the shit and out so, of him. So, I, one, um, I I do have to say, uh, I, I did love sort of the visual callback of Laurie Strode wearing the blue button-up. The same, mm-hmm. This is the same shirt that she wore in the first one. Um, mm-hmm. So I, did, mm-hmm. I just love that. But uh, I that ending, um, <laughs> I thought was very, very good. It very mm-hmm. sort of, like, satisfying. Which is what, God, it's what we want in a horror film. We want a good, satisfying, like, death and satisfying ending. And I realized that because in these David Gordon Green films, this is under the premise that none of the sequels ever took place. We only had 1978, and then we can ignore all the rest. (laughs) And I had forgotten that for a moment, in that, Mm -hmm. of course, at the end of 2018's Halloween... We and we talked about it in the last episode of like really like she didn't want to like make sure like like see the body like make sure he was dead <laughs> oh because we didn't already have eight sequels where of course right. he showed up alive again so from her perspective like no I set the building on fire so yeah he's dead like mm-hmm. that sort of made sense to me in retrospect and then he of course then in Halloween Kills we find out no he survived and so i think then going into this film it it does set up a really good reason for when it's at the end and it's like oh no motherfucker we are going to as um you know my soulmate randy in the scream series says basically in the third one you got to cryogenically freeze his head decapitate him <laughs> or blow him up mm-hmm. uh, and that's what they did they were like oh no we're doing it we're going to make sure he's dead and we're going to let the whole fucking town see it. That's the thing. I love that the whole town comes together. It truly reminded me of, have you heard about how, when they caught Richard Ramirez, the night stalker, like how they caught him? <laughs> are, are you familiar? No. no. So the town chased him down. Like somebody recognized him on the street and said, that's the night stalker. And like the community arrested him. They chased him down and caught him and held him until the police got there. One of the greatest ends to a serial killer of all time. I love that the community that he was terrorizing came together and caught him. Um, but I was like kind of reminded of that where the community like passes his body overhead and everybody is contributing to killing this horrible entity that had been terrorizing them. I really did like that. Yeah, I, I liked the the healing that it can provide. I mean, obviously this is going to be cathartic for, for Lori and for Allison, but because in Halloween kills, we just sort of see that this, this is like a plague for this town that just keeps in keeping, keeping the town infected with this awfulness. And now like, let the whole town come and see like, that's it. It's, it's done. It's over. And we can all as a community move forward. Hmm. Yeah, maybe they're gonna sum it up what I think you could think of this film. There could be like four different scenarios. Let's say the scenario one that you just think that this film is pure garbage, plain and simple. The second scenario could be that you think it's not a real Halloween movie because Myers is not at the focus point. Or you may think that this is a great or decent idea, but this is the wrong movie to to end the trilogy of DGG. Or you think this is a great or decent idea, but the ex- execution is lacking or doesn't make sense in the movie. 
or this might be the best Halloween movie in over 20 years for you. <laughs> so metaphorical and intelligent. But for me, yeah, doesn't come together. Yeah, agreed. Okay. Quickies? Yeah. Oh, one one more point before that. The, the Halloween 3 fonts. I should have figured at that point that, oh, something is a little funky here. And, uh, well, it takes like an anthology approach, as you would assume from those. Like, it's, yeah, I've seen these movies too many times, but that, that could be a like nice indication in the opening titles. Mm. Interesting. Special mention for an actor goes to. I would give it to. I don't have the cast in front of me, but the little guy who was the head of the marching band. Because I, Ooh. even though I didn't connect with Corey, I detested him so much that whenever he and Corey were going head to head, I was rooting for Corey. So I'm like, this kid is doing a good job of being a, a little piece of shit. Yeah, I hated him immediately. Mm -hmm. Like everybody who's yeah. a bad guy seems to have a name Terry. So he's called Terry, oh. and he's played by Michael Barbieri. Yes, and you know who else? Uh, Kyle Richards. I think she's consistently great <laughs> when she shows up in these. I loved her little clip on bangs, and I love that Lindsay is now a tarot card reader and a bartender. Like I think those two careers should be fused into one more often because I would love to go to a bar and order a drink and have a tarot card reading. But um, it was good to see Lindsay. Oh my gosh, and that tarot card moment when is it Lindsay who's who then adds that oh uh, the card death it yeah it's I think it's Jamie Lee whoever says that oh the tarot card death doesn't really it's not a bad thing in tarot cards because it means a new beginning a nice nice hint there notch notch yeah mm, but it's uh, I'm gonna give it to Miss Curtis um, yeah. it's been it's been 44 years since she's been playing this character and she she's done she's not she has said publicly she's not doing any more halloween films maybe like allison like you said halloween may continue but it will, <laughs> it will continue without laurie strode and so just tip of the hat jamie lee curtis for 44 amazing years mm. yes I, I would give it to jamie lee as well because she really pulls it off and yeah i think she's just uh Pleasure to follow every time. Yeah, on my end, it's gonna go to Rohan Campbell, who played Cory in this film. Like the repeated question here tonight has been like, who gives a shit about about Cory? But <laughs> even though the character doesn't completely make the landing, and well, Bur Campbell perhaps isn't the best one to to drive the romantic lead. The Cory still worked. I would say relatively well, like surprisingly well. It's pretty solid as a character, and Campo does still make the, the character work for great detail. So, you know, my, from my end, it's it's going to be Rohan. I agree, Henrik. He, he was like my second pick. If I could do a second special mention to an actor, it was him. I, I, yeah. I think I've never seen him before. I've, I've never seen him in other work before, but uh, I I think he's got a. I think he's good things are ha going to happen for him. Mm hmm. You know, in the last movies, I've been so bored of, of Michael Myers that I really didn't mind that they did this whole different story. The whole time that I was in the cinema, I was just, I don't know, glued to my seat, but I didn't say anything, didn't move. 
<laughs> I was just there, uh, kind of in a zone, trying to figure this shit out. <laughs> How was your cinema experience, by the way? Mine was great. I watched it in Dolby. Mm. Yeah, I watched it at home, um, yeah. which is how I watched Halloween Kills too. Um, I'm really glad actually that they did the the streaming option. Um, Was it on Peacock? With, is that right? Yeah, it's on Peacock. Um, along with theater, um, uh, releasing it in theater, just because, like, I honestly I don't know if I would have gone to, mm. <laughs> to the theater to watch it and spend money on it, but uh, it was very smart to have it on streaming too. Uh, really a pain in the ass to get to watch these movies. This latest one, I didn't think that it's even playing in the Philippines, but it was uh, exclusive movie in only one theater chain and yeah took a little digging anyway uh bring to attention some very small role in the film that you found somehow worth highlighting for whatever reason do you have anything on this go allison ladies first hmm. Hmm. um let's see what if my answer is just kyle richards for everything kyle um, motherfucking richards oh you know the kid the kid in the beginning i really really liked that opening oh, yeah. scene and i think his name is uh michael oh wait wait no that's uh that is an old headshot of that kid uh i don't know what his name is but i really like the scene with uh the kid and Corey and the parents being helicopter parents and saying like he can't have sugar. He can't watch scary things. And then we smash cut to them watching a, a very scary movie. And yeah, the turn that the kid is like, has been faking this innocent appearance. I was like, this dynamic is fun. Like, I'm, I like watching them together. Mm, I will go with Omar J. Dorsey as the Sheriff Baker, because I think that his appearance in this film is weird because he's not needed for anything. <laughs> he just appears for a few seconds, but he's there only there to be a familiar face, I think, to tie everything together in a way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it to Rick Moose, who's the guy who plays Corey's dad. Uh, oh. th- that scene when he gives him the bike, uh, I just, I really felt it. I just really felt that scene. Me it too. Felt, it was like, wow, he, his heart is really going out to this kid. And it was before I realized they were father and son. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just was like, oh, I immediately like feel like a connection to this character. Also, shout out to the writer in in that regard because they didn't spoon feed us the fact that he's his dad, and it they just sort of like yeah. revealed it organically. He wasn't like, here you go, son, you know, like that really ham-fisted yes. way. So that was exactly well done too. Yeah, yeah. I really don't have anything for this one. I'm just gonna give it to. The, the bully character Terry's father's haircut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what resonated with you the most or the least? I guess just the fact that, like, I do believe Jamie Lee Curtis that this is the last time she wants to go through this. Um, and she's, you know, satisfied with this being the closing chapter. So I, I just really liked seeing her in this movie like we didn't get many Lori scenes or as many Lori scenes as I would have liked but I don't know seeing seeing Lori be happy making plans for the future you know like writing her what sounds like a very bad book but like at least she has goals right um and I do 
it's so dark, but I do like the way she lured Michael Myers upstairs mm. by pretending to kill herself <laughs> was this like so dark because um, you could imagine a timeline in a reality where Laurie would have ended things that way but not our Laurie um, and that was all very satisfying seeing like Laurie process her trauma I don't know why mm. but when I saw that Laurie is baking pies I was like almost hysterically laughing in the audience yeah, it was just <laughs> funny switch in the whole Laurie take. <laughs> yeah, some of it was very tongue-in-cheek, and you could tell it was deliberate. Like, wouldn't it be funny if Laurie was baking pies? Even though, like, not <laughs> baking them successfully, just, like, yeah. burning <laughs> dough, basically. But yeah, that was very fun. Uh, I was gonna say, I'm gonna go with uh, Allison's just, like, 180. I just... <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. I didn't get it. I didn't feel it. I don't see how a person who goes through what she went through could just so quickly, you know, shift. I mean, like it's like Anakin turning to the dark side. They did three fucking movies to set up Anakin turning to the dark side, because you need something like that. This she just turned in a matter of minutes, and then all of a sudden, then turned right back. Like, no, mm -hmm. sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of moments like that that I just don't buy when they are so forcefully getting pissed off at Laurie and whatnot. And these comments from Alison, like, believe me? You want me to believe you? Okay, yeah! Like, he, she's saved your ass in the previous installments, but she's just going here, like, because of the hysteria that she caused when I trusted you, my friends are dead, my parents are dead, you're the one that's capable of fucking harm. This makes no sense at all to me. Like, mm. is she so desperate to leave Haddonfield? What, what's her motivation? Makes no sense. Uh, for me, the, the, the last scene, the last last scene, like finally there's some genuine hope and happiness, hopefully for Lori. We have a kind of a happy ending, change of mood. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole cherry blossom thing. I I, yeah. I really liked. Loved it. Yeah. Um. Uh, I'm gonna actually grant this one to the discussions that the film has about the nature of violence and and trauma. It's something that they have been kind of addressing before, especially in in the 2018 film. But the 2018 was mostly just about trauma. And mm. uh, Kills, on the other hand, was not really about trauma at all. It was just uh, some small rummings, ab uh, ponderings about the, the nature of violence. And I think that the, at the end, they finally like managed to tie together the two, two discussion points. Both what, what trauma da means and what, what it can cause. And also, you know, the, the, the violence what causes violence and what violence is from from killers so i i did like the the fact that this this was like this was not so much this one argument that we are having it was more of a discussion about what these two, two things mean and i did enjoy that quite a lot halloween kills is an uh, experimental art film as per david gordon green <laughs> in what one adjective adjective how would you describe the film Ooh, bad. <laughs> <laughs> Convoluted. Complete. Mm. Meditative. <laughs> mm. Hey, this this might be an important question. 
do you allow do do you allow for a horror franchise to take a detour and be more like a drama thriller like Halloween Ends is in in principle do do you accept that I think it still has to be coherent like there has to be rules especially in horror or or fantasy or sci-fi there has to be some kind of base reality for the spectacular set pieces to pop because otherwise it's just like you feel completely unmoored like I didn't know why anything was happening in this film like when Corey is like can you teach me how to do it to Michael Myers I'm like do what stab people like Mm -hmm. honestly Mm -hmm. like what is Mm -hmm. Michael Myers teaching you like I guess just uncontrollable rage but then like I need to know that's what's happening otherwise it's like yeah it's just very muddled and I, I agree I think you can and I think a really good example of that is actually Dr. Sleep the sequel to The Shining. Yeah. Doctor Doctor Sleep is not a a really horror e horror film. I think it's a drama. And there's some, you know, some supernatural and some horror elements to it, but it is a full drama and you care about these characters. It's not about what gross thing can I see next. It's about what's going to happen to these people that I care about. Um but it is very much still grounded. That's a good example, too, because the rules in that universe are clear, you know, like it's clear that there are these evil creatures who are sucking the life force or the shining out of, you know, uh, the good guys. Mm -hmm. And like it's it's Mm -hmm. very, very clear from the get go. So, yeah, then we're free to invest our emotions in these characters who we care about. Yeah, exactly. I don't just accept it. I fully endorse the the attempts when when horror movies they try to kind of reach out mm-hmm. and be something more. Like I have had this this pet peeve for for years already, and we have fought with Zach in in I don't remember what previous episode, but but somewhere about about the whole the labeling of of horror films. Yeah, like we we have this tendency where we we have the the all always running argument. Horror is a is a trash genre. There's only bad movies. And whenever you try to bring up a counter argument to actually make a case for a good horror film, you, you name drop something, you say Halloween, and the the response is, well, that's more of a suspense movie, more of a thriller, it's, it's not really horror. You say Alien, well, it's more of a sci-fi movie, it, it's not really horror. You say The Exorcist, well, Exorcist is more, more drama, it's yeah. not really horror. Who cares? And then you land into something absolute, Trifle shit, some some jump scare face that is nearly unwatchable, and at that point everybody is willing to like grant that that's a that's a horror movie, and we have this <laughs> this circle like like horror can't be good because every time horror tries to be good, it's all, all immediately labeled to another film genre, and horror is the the only one that gets this treatment. So I'm I'm like. Already, I'm I'm against fully against Zach here when when he says that Doctor Sleep is more more drama than horror bullshit. It's it's horror that has dramatic elements. So when it comes to uh, also with with Halloween Ends, which puts its markings, it pu- puts its like play ch- gaming chips on on largely in in the the drama category. I'm I'm all for it. Like go go ahead. Maybe I don't know. Maybe after like 150 years in the future, when when horror has 
has spread its wings more and attempted more with, with different genres, infusing different genres into it, uh, perhaps then, like in, in that long distant future, horror films can finally get out of the film appreciation slum where it now has to reside in, like here's hoping. But even, even though the dramatic aspects doesn't always work in Halloween ends, I'm extremely grateful that it actually made the effort to try. Okay, and in five seconds or less, do you think these films have any staying power or legacy? Oh yeah, for sure. It's gonna be this is the end of the Laurie Strode saga. Exactly. Like if this is indeed Jamie Lee Curtis's last Halloween, it'll be a classic just for that reason. Yeah, I watched uh, Halloween, Halloween Two, Halloween H2O, and the DGG trilogy just to kind of get a better picture of what has been going on here. As if I didn't know, but uh, needed a little uh, refresher. And I hold H2O even in a higher degree than before. I think it's one of the better sequels. Just it's it's yeah. fun. It's fun. Agreed. I fucking love H2O. I think it's yeah. it uh, it's, it's definitely top tier. I don't I don't yeah, know why. I, I think it's amazing. <laughs> I yeah. agree. Like I've I've seen so many lists where it's ranked so low, and I'm like, I had such a good time seeing that in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we need we need more LL Cool J in horror. Films. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, put the films in order of preference from the DGT trilogy. Oh, I can never do these. Like my head caves in when I try to put them in order. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say one three one three two. I'm gonna say three one two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm also gonna take take Curry's pickings here. My my favorite is is ends. Well, wow, okay. Followed by the 2018 and the kills is like even though I I did like it, but it's it's like my least favorite of of these ones. It's and and it's it's kind of a close tie with with ends and and 2018. You you have kind of it, it's kind of a like like a the whole trilogy is it's kind of a like a like a rock band thing. Mm. You you find your a, a modern like uh, you find a modern version of a rock band that you previously like. Like let, let's say that you really have liked Guns and Roses, and you find a modern equivalent to that band, and you are like, yeah, this is this is really really hitting it. And 2018 is that band playing extremely close to Guns N' Roses, nailing nailing exactly the vibe, nailing exactly the beats, being like really good like replacement for new Guns N' Roses material. Halloween Ends is the the weird psychedelic like experimental phase that that band has on the later career, and Kills unfortunately lands in the middle where it's not completely in in neither camp. It's no more longer the the good replacement for the original necessary. It's 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 it has a one leg in that territory, but it's not completely there, and it also has one leg in the experimental territory. Like it's it's trying with the psychedelics, but it does not yet make a full com- commitment. And because of that, it's like that the real competition is between Ends and 2018, where 2018 is the fine-tuned machine that plays all the hits, mm-hmm. and Ends is the the weird psychedelic drug field you know, experimental thing and at the end of the day, you know, I'm just going to to reward the experimentalism. Here, here. 
You really know you're watching Halloween ends when? For me, it's when you hear that soundtrack. That music yeah. is just iconic. I would say an element that they abandoned that actually I wish they would bring back is Michael Myers' point of view, like in the film where mm. we see him hiding and like peeking out at Laurie, like that was so mm. iconic. Yeah, we got none of that in this one. None. Not 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 one time. I would say when one of the main actors requires hormone suppressing medication. <laughs> you really know you're watching the Halloween films when it's a roller coaster of emotions from babysitter stabbings to Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> Did, did you like the film? No, I did not. I'm going to say a soft yes. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, oh. it's, it's something that is still somewhat hard to swallow because it was so surprisingly completely different piece than the previous two films or, well, the, the entire franchise, really. But... Yeah, like I, I already put it on on the top of my li- my order of preference. So obviously, yeah, I I did like this one quite okay. a lot. Okay, I, I will try to be uh, sorry, but I have to go on a little explanation on this because it's a quite a complicated topic. Because it's a bit hard to say when I don't understand the film fully. I, I think I understand the film, but I also don't understand the film. I understand that it's wanting to tell this anthology story. Uh, which would be all right in and of itself, as I mentioned. But what I don't understand is how the filmmakers see the story of Corian uh, uh, and Michael coalesce in the film. Uh, so uh, the movie doesn't, in my eyes, do anything to justify this coexistence of these two to- two stories. It says that evil can change shape. It does. So how does Michael fit in all this beyond just being part of the collective trauma of the town. I don't see the inherent connection. And I don't think the core story is strong enough or cohesive enough. And the townspeople argumentations don't make sense very often. So my gut says that, yeah, no, no is the answer that will that I will stick with in the future as well. I don't really like the film after all. Would you watch the film again? Absolutely. I'm probably not going to watch the entire film again, but I'm just going to watch mm-hmm. that opening scene again. I swear I was just about to say that. Yeah, I would watch that first <laughs> 10 minutes, like a short film. Like, you know, speaking yeah. of if they could do Halloween anthologies, I'm like, if you want to put out like quick little, I don't want to say TikTok, but like that is such a perfectly encapsulated tragedy, like the first 10 minutes of that and just say, oh, it's the spirit of Mike Myers causing all of these bad things to happen. Like that's mm. kind of interesting but yeah i that for that opening is really really effective i don't need to watch this ever again no okay would you recommend the film <laughs> i get if I you want to be a completionist i yeah. guess if, you know like sure like i don't think that you're gonna hate the film and be like oh my god i can't believe you forced me to watch that but like I guess if you really wanted to just take a ride and just go through all and go through the Halloweens, yeah, sure. I, I would add this to the ones of like, yeah, you should watch the the David Gordon Green trilogy. Yeah, it, it's not a bad film. It's uh, just a really shitty Michael Myers film, 
and it's kind of a mediocre anthology film. But actually, there was quite a lot that I did like too, just in small bits and pieces. Yeah, it's just fun to see Jamie Lee. She's great in here, but it's not really enough to float the boat. Uh, Henrik? Uh, this one gets pretty tricky, really, to say. Would you? Would I recommend Halloween Ends? It's it's pretty damn good movie. It it has it has does have it, it its problems both in narrative. Uh, sometimes the or the performances are not not as great as they could be. Uh, but altogether, all like acting isn't bad. The cinematography is is good, remarkable in in some scenes, and it it has surprisingly well thought out story in in its core the main problem here basically very much comes down to your relationship with the franchise i would say because halloween ends it's it's one of those weird meta movies where it wants to be both about the franchise itself and its its audience this is a film that wants to talk about the connection that the audiences have with the franchise and it, it has, at times, not even that kind words to say about that connection. Same way as it, it also finds some pretty disturbing connections and associations when it comes to, you know, the, the franchise itself. So, and because of that, it's, it's such a complete departure from what you have had before. Like, I can very easily believe that if you are... Or it has already been shown in the in the reviews. If you are a Halloween fan, you easily come into this one, and you are hugely disappointed by what's going to be on the screen, and you are like, "What? What on earth is this bullshit?" But I, on the other hand, I really did like that meta aspect, and I did like that. Unlike the the previous meta horror films that we have had, like Scream, which is really in your face about its its meta nature. In this one, the meta is more in the subtext. It's more more in the way how the cinematography works and basically what the characters, how they operate inside the Haddonfield and what kind of connections you can draw from those characters. So even uh, even though I really liked the, liked Halloween Ends, it's kind of a hard one to recommend because there's a huge risk that, that you come as an existing Halloween fan and you are largely disappointed by the movie. So... It's uh I yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend actually I'm gonna give a Halloween Ends a recommendation. It's there is a risk that you are going to absolutely hate it and you are going to feel disappointed, perhaps even insulted by the movie. But I I do think that that's a that's a risk that is worth taking. And dear listener, would you recommend Halloween Ends? Come on. Share your opinion on our social media pages. We are available on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and library slash odyssey.com and Patreon, where you can support us. Our theme music was by Nick Grivel. You can find him at instagram.com slash broadbyiof. And Malik Akkad shall return. So, guys. Where can everybody find you? Uh, find me on Twitter at OKGayBird. Okay That's bird with a Y. And with the gay twist.
This is the bi-weekly podcast hosted by two homosexuals who talk about news, politics, and pop culture, but with a gay twist. That's www.withagaytwist.com. Perfect. Where can we find Allison? Uh, I'm also trapped on Twitter at Allison Kilkenny. I, it's just my name on all social media platforms. You can just find me under my name. Perfect. Anything else you guys want to add or time to close the lab? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. See you in a fortnight. Oh, until then. Later. Well, I'm I'm at the front currently. Or if if not today, tomorrow, yeah.